All right, here we go on a Friday, end of the week. Got coyotes running around the neighborhood. Yeah, you tell me when I walk in, you had a coyote outside your garage door. It's not good. Running, well, running straight past, but uh, wasn't running fast enough for my liking. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's not good, Danny. Hanging around too much. Yeah, absolutely. Just one? That I saw. First time? <laughs> in my neighborhood. Yeah. You've seen them? Yeah, I used to see him when I lived up in Seven Hills. I was telling Tyler, we're not really by the mountains, though. I mean, he had to come, he had to pretty come a far away. I mean, they're, they're all over the valley. Yeah, doing a little hunting. Not that's good. not ideal. That's not ideal. You keep no. the dogs inside. Yeah, that's not good. It was not good. Keep the bulldog inside this morning. You got you to walk your dog with a baseball bat? Oh, man, knock it, out, knock it off. Be ready oh. to fight? You can't, the, can't let the bulldog try to fight the coyote. That wouldn't go very well. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go well, and our bulldog's a little feisty. Have you seen uh, the video of a French bulldog scaring off bears? No. It's it's older, but it's I can't, remember, I can't remember what kind of bears they were, but it's like somebody's backyard camera, and a couple of bears jump their fence and are in the backyard, and just a French bulldog comes flying out of the house or something, just losing its mind, barking, and it's it actually scares the bears away, and they get up and jump over the fence and leave the backyard. I feel good about my bulldog now. Yeah, I don't know if he's doing that to a coyote. <laughs> kind of like, what the hell's wrong with you? It won't be scared away. It'll Not be good. over. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't say that. Don't say that. I couldn't even think of that. I can't even bring my mind to even figure that out. I can't. So get the can't baseball bat. It. Let's go. Can't Start walking w- with the baseball bat. Think You'll be good that. to go. Wouldn't oh oh, let's go. <laughs> the first bite. Do the Golden Knights have a goaltending problem? They looked like they did last night, didn't they? They had a lot of problems. They had a lot of problems. Night. Not just the not just not the goalie, but they had a lot of problems. Give up twenty two shots in the first period. Yeah. I was there. It was not good. So, Aiden Hill gets pulled last night. He gives up three goals in less than fifteen minutes, but. Toronto had 19 shots in less than 15 minutes. That's insane. Their expected goals was 2.1. So, yeah, Hill, I guess, technically could have been better. But, like, last night in particular was not really about the goaltending. Last night was about everything else being yeah, bad. bad. Um, they the, What was it, the second goal? Nick Haig just gets completely bodied off the puck in the corner and then Chandler Stevenson has a chance to clear a loose puck and just whiffs on it right and it leads to a wide open shot in the slot like that was just horrific last night but here's my question on the goaltending is Aiden Hill going to be a dominant goalie for the Golden Knights the rest of this season season? he's he's lost four straight like you said I don't think it was all his fault last night but he was I mean heck Two weeks ago, you were giving out stats that he should have been the Vesna winner. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was he was amazing. So, dominant, I'm not so sure. So, here's what I find fascinating about Aiden Hill. And I think there's a, there's a higher percentage chance that Aiden Hill's not a great goalie the rest of the way than most people believe. If you look at Aiden Hill's career, and we take February 7th of 2023 until February 8th of 2024... So just over a year, Aiden Hill played in 44 games. His goals saved above average was plus 38.1. He was saving almost an entire goal per game more than the average goalie would. His save percentage was 9.34, right? Those are Hall of Fame numbers. Those are main major that's, numbers. That's win the Stanley Cup, yeah. like we saw them do, goaltending. 
The rest of his career, though, which is everything before February 7th of 2023 and his last four games, 95 games, negative 5.9 goals saved above average, 907 save percentage. Aiden Hill hasn't played that much hockey in his career, right? We're talking we're less than 150 total games. But 68% of his career, he's been a below average goalie. That year stretch, he was one of the best that existed in the sport. So there's probably, I don't know, a 40 to 50% chance that Aiden Hill is just an average or worse goalie the rest of this season. There's a chance he's awesome because we've seen him be awesome for the Golden right, Knights exactly. too. But I, I don't think most people realize that there's there's a really high chance, again, 40 to 50% chance that Aiden Hill is just an average goalie for the rest of the season because that's what he's been for his entire career until last February. And last February, he took off and was a superstar. But I think it's it's very probable that the Golden Knights the rest of this season could just get average goaltending for Maiden Hill or worse. And I don't know how good this team is if they get average goaltending well, the rest of the way. I don't know how good they are with average goaltending and all the injuries. That to, too, we're not very good at all. I mean, not very good at with all. With the forward situation <laughs> they have right now. Yeah. So I'm Aiden Hill's fascinating to me because he does not have a long track record of being great. But he has been great in a Golden Knights jersey, and unbelievably so, to where, like, what is the genuine uh, expectation for how good he's going to be the rest of the season? Because, listen, this time last year, they were trading for Jonathan Quick. Like, this time right. last year, they there, there wasn't this, oh, we'll, we'll just rely on Aiden Hill. He, he wasn't even the starter when the postseason came around. Right. So there's a real chance that Aiden Hill is just simply an average goaltender. And if that's the case, the Golden Knights are going to be in some trouble because I don't think they can win the Stanley Cup if they have an average goaltender. Even if they get everybody healthy and they get average goaltending, they're not winning the Stanley Cup. They're going to need something better than that, which is what Aiden Hill gave them last year. The other issue, I think, with last night's game, you don't have Jack Eichel, you don't have Mark Stone. Uh, Brett Howden and Will Carrier are hurt too. But all six of your defensemen are healthy. Yeah. The six that you won the Stanley Cup with, the six that you're expecting to be your top six. And before the game yesterday, Bruce Cassidy said that they needed to play a defensive game. Mm -hmm. That if they were going to win all without, those guys out, they needed to play de a defensive style to win these games. First period alone, Toronto had 35 shot attempts, 21 were on goal, 20 scoring chances, 2.2 expected goals, and four goals. Right. I know Toronto's good. I know Austin Matthews is going to score damn near 80 goals. But that's not good at all. No. No, and he said I was there the, the morning skate. You're right, defense and goaltending. And while I don't think it was a lot of the goaltender's fault last night, they still let in seven goals. Yeah. Um, so that that stood out. And afterwards, you know, Petrangelo and Martinez both talked about it, that they weren't good enough uh, at all and that they have to be the ones to lead this, these younger guys, and they didn't do a good job of it at all. How do they win without Eichel and Stone? Well, he said – that's what he said. He said yeah. we win without – and it, the specific question was about Stone only, but, you know, he threw Eichel in there as well. He said defense leads to offense and get the goaltending, and that's the two reasons he gave yesterday after the morning skate. And then last night they come out a couple hours later and don't have pretty much either. I think the problem you run into is that, like last night, for example, Brendan Brisson was on the second line. Now – Cassidy changed the lines up. He because, jumbled them up. So who finished where, whatever. But you're looking at a rookie 
who they healthy scratched at one point earlier this year and has been in the AHL more than he's been in the AHL, pl- playing on your second line, right? Like that's probably not going to go very well. Your fourth line was <laughs> – I don't even know if it's a Silver Knights first line. Like it's not even right. good enough to be an AHL first line last night. They – to win games, their defensemen are going to have to be really good, but they're going to have to have Jonathan Marcheseau, William Carlson carry the load. Chandler Stevenson's got to play both better. scored last night. Yeah, Chandler Stevenson's got to play better. That guy's right. got to get – I mean, he has not been good this season. Chandler Stevenson has got to get back to the level of, oh, you're a top six level forward. The problem is, can Chandler Stevenson do that when he's not playing with Mark with Stone? Mark Stone. That's been kind of the his entire Golden Knights career has mostly been with Stone, which makes it easier. Stone's not there. They need those guys to actually produce because last night the the problem for the Golden Knights was how badly their depth got beat. True. Like the guy yes. who like Matthews scored the seventh right. goal well, game last night. Was, but yeah. The Maple Leafs were getting goals from their bottom line. Right. Right. Ryan Reeves. Ryan had an Reeves, assist. I think, was a two was two, plus two last night. He had an assist. He was last a night. bounce away from uh plus three. <laughs> and I he, he, it was his first assist of the season, yeah. I believe. Somehow Ryan Reeves doesn't have an assist all year. I guess I should be able to believe that, but he does have two goals. He got his first assist last right. night. Like the Golden Knights got beat with their depth. And so for, I will say this, if they're going to get beat that badly with their depth, they're not winning a single game. Like, if the other team's depth is going to put up multiple goals against your third and fourth line, the Golden Knights aren't winning a single game because that, like, that's just on – you can't overcome that. But they need their depth to at least play even, maybe give up one goal right. over the course of a game, and then they need Carlson, Marcheseau, Stevenson to actually carry, carry a team. Right. And, I mean, they did score last night. It was out of hand by then, but – that's that's how they have to win games, and they got to hope that it's three two or two one. And listen, last night wasn't Aiden Hill's fault, but you do need Aiden Hill to make a couple of saves. Yes, like you do need yes. him to be like, oh, Nick Hay gave it away in the corner, and Chandler Stevenson whiffed on the puck. Oh, here's a great save right. that took took away a goal from them. Like you need a few of those if your team's going to be bad. Which right now they're roster wise, they're a bad team. Like that, like the roster they put out last night, that's not a good NHL team. So. They need Aiden Hill to be pretty good. They need people to be healthy. Yeah, and it'll help when they're not playing Toronto. Well, they play them in two games. Yeah, they play them again. So. <laughs> they play them again. <laughs> Yikes. But Ottawa's the next one, right? Ottawa's the next yeah. one, then I like, believe Toronto. That'll be nice. You get to play Ottawa instead of Toronto. But, yeah, it'll be a little bit easier. But they're – I don't think they're falling out of a playoff picture. But no. they're definitely in danger of falling to the three. And depending on how well the Kings play the next couple of weeks, we could be talking about the Golden Knights falling to a wild card spot, given the Stone and Eichel injuries. Yeah, and I don't think – I mean, look, there's going to be a lot of these guys back, if not all. We'll t- you know, we can talk quickly about uh, reported Mark's zone injury, but um, I don't know. I At Edmonton to open up is a little scary. Yeah. If they would fall to three. That's a little scary. I mean, if, they, if they're healthy, I think they beat the Oilers. But at this point – like it, Mark Stone's season might be over. Well, the report was a lacerated yeah. spleen. Yeah, I mean Frank, Frank Saravalli said lacerated lacerated spleen. Just saying those words. Lacerated is such a just yeah. grotesque it's word. A, it's a horrible word. It's like ah, that just makes it sound like if he just had a cut of spleen and or something. Yeah. But lacerated just makes it sound worse. But like, there's a chance his season's done. Like I'm not gonna sit here and play doctor, but from everything that I read, Sinbin he had a doctor on to talk about timelines and stuff like that. There's no real, like, concrete timeline, but everything is, like, months. We're talking 
two months. There's less than two months left in the regular season. We're talking two to three months. And I know hockey players play through things. Right. Alec Martinez played with a broken foot three years ago. Uh, what, Matthew Kachuk had a broken sternum in the Stanley right. Cup final last year. But So there's a chance Stone is not completely healthy and comes back and plays. But we're talking months is the recovery here for a lacerated spleen. There's a chance that Mark Stone doesn't come back. There's a chance they open the playoffs and Mark Stone is not there because he has a lacerated spleen. And if that's the case, I don't think they're beating – they're definitely not beating Edmonton in the first round. I don't know if they're beating anybody in the first round. Uh, I'm not I'm not the total believer in the Canucks. Well, the, here's the other problem. Between now and the end of the season, who else is getting hurt? Well, that's true. This team doesn't have know. the greatest track yeah, record exactly. of guys in staying terms healthy. Of injuries. So, it yeah, it'd be nice if Jack Eichel comes back, but – Somebody else might get hurt by the time right. we get to the postseason. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow, we're without somebody else that's important. It's tough. Well, they'll have the guy that they're about to trade for in the, uh, by the 8th. <laughs> that's true. Or the, or the more than one guy. That's true. Who tweeted out that they might be interested in Riley Smith bringing him back? That'd be funny. Yeah, I don't know with his contract. I don't know. Doesn't he have another year in his deal? Yeah, they always trade yeah. for that guy, though. And then they trade somebody else in the offseason. It'd be hilarious if they brought back Smith and then traded away Barbashev in the offseason. <laughs> Like, yeah, let's reverse that really quick. Uh, we made a mistake. Let's go get the other guy again. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into some Major League Baseball and what the hell the Las Vegas A's are waiting on. Four teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. You're listening to the Press Box on 100.9 FM and 1100 AM. We are giving away $2,024 a day. And you can enter to win just by sending us a text message. 702-364-1100. That is the text line. All you've got to do is text Bugsy, B-U-G-S-Y. No chance. To 702-364-1100. That's Bugsy, (laughs) B-U-G-S-Y, to 702-364-1100. And you are entered to win. Again, we're giving away $2,024 every day here at Lotus, 702-364-1100. Text Bugsy. There's a new word every day. Today's word is Bugsy. You just got to text that in between 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. to be entered. Then there'll be a new word on Monday. We're not doing it on the weekends. There'll be a new word on Monday. But today's word is Bugsy, B-U-G-S-Y. I can only imagine some of the responses we're getting this morning. <sighs> nah, they'll be fine, Ed. They got it. I, try, I have faith in them. They'll get Bugsy down. All right. No problem with Bugsy this morning. Um, the Las Vegas A's, meanwhile, this isn't – wait, what do you got, Danny? Already the first texter messed up. Uh, what'd they say? Buggy. Buggy? Yeah, Buggy? That's close enough. And There's got, an S. Good Lord, we got a lot of busies in here. There are a lot of busies. <laughs> We're never going to give away money. <laughs> None of our listeners can send the right word to our text line. <laughs> oh, boy. James, one Bugsy. You, James, you've sent busy two different times. Get it together, James. Good job, Lorenzo. Let's you got go. It. You got Bugsy. Good job, Lorenzo. So Bugsy is the word, not busy or anything. B U G S or buggy. Why? Now, um, I love every single time somebody from Bally's talks. Bally's is the company that owns the land the A's are planning to build a ballpark on here in Vegas. Um, Bally's is planning to demolish the Tropicana Hotel and build a new resort, probably some other stuff there too, on that site. But on an earnings call yesterday, the president of Bally's said, the A's are still finalizing their stadium plans 
and we just continue to evaluate our options for what we feel is a very valuable development land next to the stadium. Last week, the CEO of MGM said he's seen renderings. Yeah, he's seen three. Were those fake renderings? They must be. What is going on? It sounded like yesterday, um, I'll have to go back and double check this, but it sounded like Mike Palm from Circa told Cofield that he also saw renderings. Are they real? I don't know. They apparently aren't because Bally's is sitting around saying we don't have finalized stadium plans. Why don't they release these things? What What are the A's doing? Like, genuinely, on a day-to-day basis, what are they doing? Negotiating with Salt Lake City? (laughs) I told you guys like a week or two ago, it's going to come day one of building the new stadium, and they're going to be down there like, yeah, I guess you could like start over there. We're going (laughs) to add this and then go over to that side. Like, Like, They're not going to know what they're doing. What what do they do? How how do they not have ballpark plans or rendering? Like, what is going on with the A's? That they, they have not here. done this. They came here. They got their money. They supposedly got a site. And now they can't show us what it's going to look right. like. Like, this, that, the people that own the land that they're going to get have said multiple times they're waiting on the A's right. to figure out what their ballpark is going to look like before they do anything. How have the A's not figured this out yet? And how have Bally's not seen it, but, uh, but uh, Hornbuckle right. has? Right. MGM and apparently Circa have seen it, but not the people <laughs> that own the land. Do you think this situation would be going better or at least have actual progress had they stayed with the original site? On the other side of the 15? Yeah. I mean, there's more land there, so probably because... And they don't have to wait for an implosion of a casino. Well, there's... But you can you can still have renderings yeah. knowing the casino is going to be blown up. Well, you have to. Yeah. I Just like, what are they doing? Just like on a daily basis, is well, there anybody for the A's? John Fisher, they're just hanging he's not, out. He's not worried about his team. I'll tell you that. Maybe he's at the Gap. Is there anybody from the A's that is working on what their stadium is going to look like? And I know they hire other companies right. to do this. Have they right. done that? Is that company working on it? I mean, Hornbuckle said he saw three renderings. What were those? You know, John Fisher's grandkid drew them. <laughs> Grandpa, this is where I want the concession right. stand. What, I don't understand. What are they doing? Just do do something. You've got MG, Bill Hornbuckle, who's seen the rendering, said we're not going to do some renovations until the ballpark is ready right. to go. You've got multiple casinos here in Vegas that are waiting on the A's. What are they doing? Not much. Like, I don't understand. I'm telling you, they're negotiating with Salt Lake City to play there for the next three years, even though they don't have a rendering of where they're going to come to when they get to Las Vegas. I'm waiting for the day where the A's announce, hey, I know you gave us $300 plus million. We're going to need another 50 to $100 million. Probably will. They'll disguise it as something else. They'll be like, ah, we need an entertainment district. And give us the tax money right. from the entertainment district or something stupid like that. But yeah, they probably will. Because... This the only thing that makes legitimate sense to me is that John Fisher doesn't know how he's paying for this, and therefore they don't know how expensive of a ballpark to to and build. And we haven't seen any reports that he's gone out and actually gotten those minority right. owners that he supposedly was seeking to get more money for this. Right. That's the only real news about the financing that we've gotten, and it was just that he was seeking investors to help pay for it. So my my best guess on this 
is that John Fisher doesn't have the financing plan in place, and therefore they don't know what, how expensive, well, how expensive it's going to be and what it should look right. like. And so it's like, ah, we could do this, but that's an extra $200 million or something. And he's like, well, I only have 380 right now, so right. I don't know what. What can you build me for 380 that's when his uh, grandchild is uh, drawing up something <laughs> with on, to hang on the fridge. But like, that's my best guess because otherwise, what would they be waiting for to just put out some damn renderings? Like, it can't be that hard. They, it, we're about well, to. Well, they be, already put out one. It was fake. They did do that. That is true. They, they did they have put out one, but it was and then fake. told everybody to throw them in the trash. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're gonna be. Lead. What was it? Was it May last year when they got public funding? Yeah. June, whatever it was. Are we gonna get to a year? With no renderings, there, there's no way. Absolutely, you you think we're gonna get to a year? I and think we're so. gonna have no rendering, or like a week before the year mark. Absolutely, I don't. I mean, this is just, I we're morons. Well, because uh, the trop is closing doors. What April first? Yes. So, yes. I'd say probably in that time frame, like April, like beginning of April, we'll get renderings. We're idiots. Hey, it wasn't us that voted on it. If it goes to a public vote, we voted not the people. Coming here. We voted the people in who voted, who on, voted it, on so it. So we're by default idiots. I guess so. We are. God, we're such idiots. The only people that are committed to this project is the three hundred eighty million dollars in public money. Nobody else people has actually got nice done uh, campaign bumps. Yeah, ten thousand dollars. Do you think they'll get uh, sweet tickets? In Probably twenty thirty five. Yeah, I thought you were talking about for the F one again. Oh well, that's a given. <laughs> that's a given. Come on now, that's a given. But yeah, they'll be in the suites at the A's ballpark. Are there going to be suites? We don't know. We haven't seen the renderings. Probably be all suites. That might be the issue. They're going to yeah, we're going to have no regular seats. Right. It's just going to be suites all the way. If it's going to be the like board. Oakland. No one's coming anyway, yeah. so you might as well have suites. Oh, we're such idiots. Bally's just needs to do. And I think I mentioned this before. Just do what they did up in Toronto. Attach the hotel to the ballpark. Yeah, just get build a ballpark. At this point, who cares what it looks like? Just build one. I mean, at this point, Bally's is going to have a whole new hotel, and they're still figuring out the <laughs> renderings for the ballpark. There's going to be a baseball-sized hole yeah. in the hotel. Like, ah, put we a nice put hotel there. there. Yeah, yeah, we could put it there. Whatever the A's get it together, but we haven't seen any renderings. Coming up next, Ben Brown joins the show. He does data stuff. Some even call him a scientist. Let's catch up with Pinnacle's Ben Brown to see what he's betting on today. Joining us now, it's Ben Brown. Good morning, Ben. Hey, Ben. Happy Friday. How are you guys doing? Yep. We're doing good. We're just yelling about the Las Vegas A's and how they don't have anything actually happening and who knows if they're actually moving here. But it's all good. Um, what are you betting on this week, Ben? Oh, man. It's been relatively quiet. I don't know. This is like my... Uh... Uh, the time of the year where I'm like itching so many different, you know, things from like a modeling perspective, I honestly haven't looked at a whole lot. I'm kind of just waiting it out for the WNBA at this point. Um, you know, spring football, UFL is going to nope. be coming here at some nope. point. So kind of trying to just put the pieces in place for uh, the money maker printing machine that Danny and I are going to have running this springtime. March so 30th. for the ice to freeze or melt, basically. But wait, did this league doesn't start till March 30th? March 30th. I thought part of the draw last year was like, we kick off the week after the Super Bowl. Don't miss any football. It's a new league. Yeah. Oh, geez. New, new, new league. league, new us, basically. New, new, new times for modeling, basically. I don't know, but it's sad. I'm... I'm with you, Tyler. I think we need it. I like. I, I need football in my life 24 seven. Unfortunately, I'm just not getting it right now. So, 
Uh, so let me ask you this from an off-season perspective. Is there anything you are interested in looking into for betting next year in the NFL? Like, is there anything off-season project-wise that you're like, oh, that could be an interesting way to look at uh, games or teams to bet on? Yeah, um, you know, a lot of things that, um, you know, I'm continuing to look at and, like, try to evolve with is, like, more of the, you know, player props and just how – certain performances like fit together like what's most likely given like a certain game script and stuff like that so a lot of my stuff is going to be kind of like modeling performances against certain coverages against certain like box you know heavy boxes versus light boxes those sorts of things and kind of trying to come up with like a profile for each team that then we can kind of use to predict you know future outcome kind of coming out of those things so definitely like putting a lot of those pieces in place um, and, and just like data sets and things like that to kind of stack some of those models on top of each other and get, I would say, better at, um, you know, both the player prop markets, but also like some of the alt number markets, the same game parlays and stuff like that that books now offering. What's okay. So on that idea, how reliable can you get to a point of, okay, this team is going to run cover three or what, like how reliable can it be to know what a team is going to run, especially when there's so much coordinator change in an off season? Yeah, I think, and that's kind of the part is like the priors basically and how to kind of fit those things in because very much, you know, obviously like teams change coordinators, head coaches and everything else. In a lot of ways, you still have some sort of data on how, you know, certain teams performed given that coordinator was at least on the staff, maybe not in the exact same role. And you can at least build up some sort of expectation, uh, you know, pairing with kind of like the players on the rosters to get at least idea but that is very much something that you know does evolve and i would say get a lot sharper as you get some actual in-season data under your belt and can kind of like develop those models but i do think you have to from a general modeling approach you know understand that you don't necessarily have that data right now but are going to get it and that's going to make your model stronger i would say you know week five onward in a lot of ways were there certain types weekly of player props that were difficult more difficult to gauge than others yeah, I, I think for me especially, like, it was it's a spot where I would look at, you know, like the overall base rate of, like, the market. And in a lot of ways it just seemed like, you know, certain rushing categories, for example, um, you know, were easier to play to the under, um, you know, certain, like, receiving yardage numbers and those sorts of things were easier to play towards the over. Um, and, and I think from that angle, just, like, better understanding how predictive we can be or how successful we can be at a prediction in any given market um, and, and kind of outlining that because I do think, you know, things are more random, you know, uh, on reception props than they are, you know, rush attempts and those sorts of things. So I do think seeing how it kind of all fits together, um, you know, it is very much some of like the off-season research and work that I'm doing. Um, I want to ask you a Raiders perspective here. From their like win total for next year, they right now only have Aiden O'Connell as a quarterback, but how much different does their win total get if they manage to trade up into the top three and draft uh, Jaden Daniels or Drake May, something like that, versus if they go with a free agent like Gardner Minshew, is there going to be a significant change to their win total based on either of those two options? I would say the Gardner Minshew option over Aiden O'Connell probably won't move the needle a whole lot. Um, I do think, you know, specifically if they went up and got a guy like Caleb Williams, like you would see their probably their preseason win total expectation change upwards of like a game, maybe even a game and a game and a half. I do think if they got like a Jaden Daniels, Drake may 
uh, type, it would maybe move closer to like a half game expectation. Uh, but like outside of that scenario, I do think there's not like a ton of a ton of like quarterback free agents that would be available that I would think come close to what Caleb Holmes could potentially provide. And I really think that would only be like the, at the most drastic level, probably like a game and a half improvement on, on their current roster, all things considered. So they're finishing eight and nine. They're always eight, eight and nine. nine again. I have, I, I have them at eight and nine every year. <laughs> yeah. The, the Steelers of the West. Basically, yes. Is the yes. Only thing, so. Um, by the way, in Minnesota land, is Kirk Cousins actually going to get away from the Vikings? I think so. I know this is you know pure 100% speculation, but um, I know some people who have kids that go to school with his kids, and I think that they are no longer enrolled in Minnesota schools and are on to Atlanta. So I do think the Cousins there might be on to, uh, unfortunately, bigger and greener pastures than what Minnesota can provide. And I do think... You know, it obviously creates a void for at the quarterback position, and it, and it does seem like the, the the Vikings very much have to do something, you know, with their first round draft pick to actually bring somebody on board because it seems more likely as as they continue to move towards uh, the point where he would need to be paid like the dead cap money uh, that that they're probably too far away, and there's just so many other things that the the, the Vikings are kind of trying to sort through Justin Jefferson extension and everything else. Uh, that I would be pretty surprised at this point if Kirk Cousins ends up suiting up for the Vikings in 2024. You always go to the children. Wait, you delivered that way too monotone. Was that a joke? What What is that? You know people that go to school with his kids? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to say that it's a rumor mill around uh, Minnesota, but I was actually told that as a not-joke fact, and I, and I and they were like, can you use this on the radio? And I'm like, I, can, I think I can use anything on the radio at this point. I'm just you know, speculating recklessly. So if you want me to drop it, but I have you, I, that is like a legitimate thing. I, I, obviously, like they have a connection to Atlanta. You know, his wife's from there, so there's obviously. It's not that he's necessarily going to land with the Atlanta Falcons, but I very much think that you know, given what we've heard on the outside, um, the two sides are probably a lot further apart, and I just don't see Kirk kind of taking some sort of hometown discount. Uh, in order to stay in Minnesota is kind of my read on the whole situation. How do you know? How old are his kids? I don't know exactly. They're elementary school age. Ah, okay. All right. Not as big of a deal. To Those kids running around at lunchtime so, saying we're going to the Falcons? Yeah, apparently. That's great. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's good. Ben's got the, the good news over here. That's yeah. a good sourcing over here. I the mean, kids at school. Good news. I don't know if it's good news well, for uh, Minnesota uh, fans, I guess. I do think Kirk is the best option for the Vikings at quarterback in 2024. But I don't know. The, the days are looking darker uh, all the time because not only is Kirk leaving, but it does seem like you know things are at least more sensitive than what they were before with Justin Jefferson extension talks. So I don't know. Like at, at this point, the Vikings are just looking up at the at, at three teams that are all going to be better at, better than them in the NFC North next season, and, and that could be the case for quite some time. Is kind of what it's setting up to be like. We know that Kirk Cousins struggles during primetime games, but if he goes to Atlanta, they've got to be the favorite to win the South, right? Yeah, I mean. It's interesting. I'm still, and this is kind of like some things I've been looking at, but just like where teams finished last year and like a few different sort of metrics that we have both behind the scenes. And and both Atlanta and New Orleans, I would say, were kind of two outliers. Obviously, had some like really easy schedules, but I do think both those teams kind of performed better than expectation. I do think it's going to be those two teams again. But if Kirk Cousins goes to Atlanta, uh, I very much think they're going to be the pretty heavy favorite to win the NFC South next year. All right. Are people in Minnesota excited about the Timberwolves? Do they actually think they can do anything, or are they just expecting disappointment in the playoffs? I think they're expecting like a yeah Western Conference uh, 
exit in like the in the conference championship round, basically. So I don't think they're going to get to the NBA Finals. I think that's the pretty pretty much the consensus expectation. But I don't know. A, a lot of people that I talked to outside of Minnesota don't seem to buy into the Timberwolves long term either. And I think that uh, you know only makes us more pessimistic on the current outlook where they're going to end up. What do you, how do you guys feel? I feel like I need an outsider's perspective on this because I'm, I'm in an echo chamber right now in Minnesota, basically. I mean, I don't expect them to be able to beat the Nuggets, um, right. but I wouldn't be that shocked if they're actually in the NBA Finals. They're clearly good. They're really good defensively. Like They're clearly a good team, so it wouldn't be that shocking because it's – I don't know. Boston in the East is seems to be much better than everybody out there, but in the West, I don't know that there's anybody that's clearly ahead of the pack. Like Denver gets the nod because they won the title last year, but Denver, OKC, the Clippers, uh, maybe Phoenix is in there. They all none of them seem to really truly have like separated from the rest. So it wouldn't be right. that shocking if one of those five actually make it to the NBA Finals. Yeah, I've had I've 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 heard a lot of people that I respect think that yeah, the OKC Thunder are like kind of the team that could very much give them problems and of course Denver as well. So I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but you know, things change by the day in Minnesota. So I do think even, you know, <laughs> come post all star break, a slight skid here could, you know, derail everything for Minnesota sports fans, unfortunately. Well he has been Brown, as always Ben. We enjoy talking to you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So there is Ben Brown, um on some Minnesota sports, but also I, I love the idea of being able to, like he said, what they're trying to work on is like, Hey, this team likes to run cover three and AJ Brown struggles against cover, cover three, three or whatever right. it is, or Devonte Smith is always awesome when the team plays man to man or whatever those numbers are. I, that would be a fun way to approach it and be like, okay, this guy's usually good in this. Gives against him this a lot of, of off season things to do. Yeah. But again, how, how easy is it to, to, to define what the other team is going to run. So, like, some defensive coordinators just run the same coverage, like, 90% of the right. time. But a lot of guys mix it up, and a lot of guys' individual matchups mix it up. And so it, that's a very, very hard thing to predict at all. Well, they run cover three 55% of the time, but they're not going to do it this week because A.J. Brown torches them or whatever right. it is. So that'd be fun. By the way, the, uh, the Falcons go back to Minnesota this year. So if Cousins goes to the Falcons, he'll be returning home pretty quickly. Are you a Falcons fan? No. I feel like there have been multiple times where you're like, the Falcons are going to be the favorites to win that division. I mean, on paper, I feel like they should be. Why? They have a lot of weapons on offense. That doesn't. It's irrelevant. They had them last year. Yeah, but they also had a head coach who didn't know who they were. Yeah, but <laughs> you were like, if they get Belichick, they're going to win the division. Yeah. Nobody even wanted Belichick. I I legitimately think that the Falcons were one good head coach and one good quarterback or decent quarterback away from just running away with that division for the next couple years. Well, they're not going to run away with it. They're not that good. Not not run away, but they can they can win that division probably three of the next four years. Yeah, the Bucks will probably win it. Hmm. Baker Mayfield's probably not playing much longer well, for them. What? Yeah, they're going to re-sign him. Yeah. He's already had input on the off on the new head coach. Yeah, that doesn't mean he's going to be there for a while. Well, they're going to give him a three year deal at least. Yeah, he's there for two years, and they win the division both years. Goes nine and eight both years. That's enough. That's all you need. It's no. the NFC South. Falcons will go ten and seven. No, none of their uh, weapons are that. Bijan Robinson's running for two thousand yards. That's what he thinks. They probably don't do very well if they do that. Well, and you were saying what Ben's doing is uh, interesting. Is all the new coordinators. Yeah. To try to figure things out of what they're going to do. Yeah. 
Like, what the hell's Luke Getzey right. going to do? The uh, offensive Luke Getzey's quarterback. Yeah, well, Kirk Cousins? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Coming up next, we'll get into some college football because EA Sports is trying to pay some college kids. You're on the elevator up to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. All right, I'm going to preface this by saying I might officially be old, but EA Sports is coming out with a new college football game. Uh, first time since, what, 2014? Is that the last year? It's, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, basically went a decade without EA Sports creating a college football video game because players can't be paid and their likenesses were being used in these video games. But now with NIL, they can. Yesterday, uh, it was announced that EA Sports is going to offer players effectively what's an NIL deal, $600 and a free copy of the game to use their likeness in the video game. So, for example, Ricky White of UNLV, if he accepts this, he'd get $600, he'd get a copy of the game, and then when you go to play the game, he's in the game. you pull up UNLV, and Ricky White is the wide receiver. And conceivably, if all of his teammates do, you'd have all their names. If a player doesn't accept, so to use Ricky White again, then they would still have a wide receiver with Ricky White's stats, but it would have a generic name. Joe Smith. Yeah, that's what it would be. Um, Barry Bonds at one point was not, he did not allow a video game to use his likeness. I think it was MLB The Show, so he was John Dowd. <laughs> San Francisco had just an <laughs> awesome player named John Dowd in their lineup. So that's what would happen if a player does not accept. The The player will still be in the game, or a player will still be in the game that has that guy's stats, but they would not have. it would not be Ricky White. It would be a created name or generic name or something like that. So if a player rejects the offer of $600, plus a copy of the video game. What's the benefit of rejecting this? That you are worth more than $600. Hold out for money. Uh, maybe, but if the if it's a hard line rule that everyone gets 600 then right, take the 600 And this is where I preface this by saying I might be old because I was like, oh, $600 and I'm in the game? That sounds great. Right. Because I would have been like, hell yeah, I want to be in the game, but... If you're Jalen Milrow, Alabama's quarterback, if you're Carson Beck, Georgia's quarterback, your likeness is worth more than $600. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, UNLV's second string left guard, his likeness is worth $6, right? So this is a great deal for him. Yes. He'll be in the game. But like, if you're one of the bigger names in college football, this is a ripoff. Well, and they, they did announce that some players, most likely Heisman yeah. candidates – will be ambassadors for the game and get paid a bigger NIL contract. But I could I could see players rejecting having their likeness in the game because they're like $600 is is not yeah. anywhere close. Right. Like in all honesty, if you're the if you're going to be a Heisman favorite going into a year like Carson Beck or Jalen Milrow, is $6,000 even yeah. not like that's probably not even the 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 right number. So 60 might be. Yeah, like I could definitely see them saying no to this. Now, me, even if I was Jalen Milrow, I might be like, well, I'm getting other NIL deals. I just want to be in this stupid video game so I can turn it on and play with myself and it says my name on there. So I might accept it just because it's cool, but this is where I think I might be old because that's something that, you you know, like, ah, just be happy with what you got type type mindset. I think all players should hold out for more money. More, all of them. Yes, you got you got Tiger Shanks of UNLV holding out for more money. I think 
I think the players should band together and demand more money to for everyone to be put in this game because this game will make fifty to seventy five million dollars. And I think I saw a number that if all eleven thousand players get put in the game at six hundred dollars, it only comes out to like six and a half million. So the game, the company is still making fifty million dollars. So hold out a thousand, fifteen hundred. I mean, they could in theory. This is where, and this is where the or whole, they could like, all become Joe Dowd. They could be all John Dowd. This is where. <laughs> but then, the, who's going to buy the game if you just have Joe Schmo being the oh, quarterback? Everybody. Oh, I think everybody. I I know there are going to be fans who will get it because I'm going to get it. Right. You but, don't care. You don't care if it, you, you don't, don't care, care if Ricky it's Ricky White's White or if it's wide receiver number eleven. Right. Because no. that's what it used to be. You'd load it up and it would be quarterback number seven. Yes. Under center. And by the way, and people still do this. You can go in and name all of the players. Oh yeah. Like if you have an old version of the college football that oh, okay. you play, yeah. people still do it. You can download something that names every player in the game. Yep. So you could go in and have every player's name. The same thing will happen with this. Right, right. Like if they if all the players aren't in it, you just there'll be people that create all the names create and you download it and here's team. all the names for all the players. That's what they do now. I so, mean I can't wait. I'm gonna get it. See, you're gonna get it regardless of whether it's Ricky White yes, or whether I'm it's, gonna get it, but I think that the players should hold out for at least a thousand dollars a piece. Cause imagine if all the big namers say no, EA's in trouble. No, they're not. I no, think they still, are no, because you're people like you are still gonna buy it. But I think that if you have like Jalen Milrow and like guys like that say no, they're going to up the money. Maybe for a few of them. 